Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a fright. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back to The Greatest Show, Unearth Talking Terror. We're back with an all-new episode for you all. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the Ghoul Geek Keith's pick of the night, Midsummer from 2019, and directed by Ari Aster. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to the madness that is our show. And as always, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Ghoul Geek Keith. Hello, hello, everybody. What is going on? Glad to have you on board, Ghoul. Uh, as I wanted to say, the doc might not be here. He might. He's having some trouble. But we are going to be joined by Thomas Ryan and Todd Staruch of Theater of Terror. A little later on in the show, around 9.15, to talk about the newest projects they have coming out and how you, yes you, can fund that project and see it get made. So stay tuned for that in just a little bit. But, of course, we're also joined by the psychotic simian, the prince to my Morris Day. Yes. <laughs> the mad monkey himself. Take it, brother. Come on here. Oh, 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 yes, yes, oh, yes. <laughs> this is the maniacal oh, mad no. monkey here, <laughs> broadcasting to you live from the Drunk and Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic. Yes. <laughs> oh, I yeah, know, I'm your lovely co-host. Hey, Goo, how you doing, Goo? You big sexy motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, looking good. Lots of thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming oh, out, drink Wanda. Man. <laughs> it's Drink Man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest shorty going to take care of you. Going to fuck you, too. <laughs> oh, you, no, you better get your ass in check. I shoot off that pinky toe. Uh, don't think I won't shoot off that pinky toe. <laughs> oh, damn. Shit's getting to you. <laughs> Part of the APA? <laughs> Act like protection agency. Yeah, that could be a problem. Why not? <laughs> Damn. Oh, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming out. Your paychecks in the mail. <laughs> I had a lot of paychecks tonight. <laughs> but again, monkey, thank you for joining us for this episode. Glad to have you back, sir. Yeah, man. Glad to be back. I'm excited about this. That we actually have some guests on for later tonight in just a little while. Um, but the doc will not be joining us. Is is that the the, the news for tonight? He may or may not. It depends. That is the only news for tonight. So everybody, good night. See you later. Damn, you hard nerd news is short. <laughs> no, we. I have some stuff for later. Uh, after we get done with uh, Todd and, and uh, Tom, I got some things to talk about. But first, uh, as we uh, wait for Tom and Todd, I uh, believe we have something to talk about real quick. And that is uh, the ghoul. I want to give it to you because you broke this news just a little while ago regarding Doctor Strange 2. In the madness of the multiverse, they have a director that they're talking to, and who is that? Oh, that would be none other than Sam Raimi, everybody. Uh, Spider-Man and what? So, uh, yes, I guess uh, the rumor mill is that they are currently in talks to bring 
him on to uh, to take over Doctor Strange and the uh, in the multiverse uh, multiverse of madness. Um, I don't know how I feel about that because I feel like Raimi has a very specific uh, style. Um, yeah, yeah, listen, I know it's the same guy that did the Evil Dead and all of that stuff, but you know what? He's been a far cry from that for a long time now, and I know Derrickson, yep. you know his 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 mindset, his thought for you know, this Doctor Strange film was to be very horror-centric. Um, you know, I, I didn't know how that was going to squeeze into the MCU. But, you know, I guess we'll uh, we'll see what they do. I just don't know if uh, Raimi's vision of, of how comic book movies are done is going to fit well into the whole uh, MCU greater whole. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think of you think it's a good yeah, okay, but at the same time, like the like the Google said, man, you know, Raimi does have a very specific style for directing, and it's just is that style going to blend in well with the other MCU movies? That's what I just said. That man. is up for debate. Yeah, yeah, I, it's up for debate. Um, it's I don't know. I I think that what he did with with Spider Man in two thousand four, and then even part two, which I talk about three, but what he did about those two is fantastic. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't know how far into the horror they're going to get. I know, like we, as the Gorge just said, Scott Derrickson wanted to go really dark. I don't know if they're really going to let Sam Raimi get that dark, but I know that he can do it if he needs to. I know Sam Raimi can tap into that dark track if he needs to. I don't know how dark Derrickson wants it to go. I mean, obviously, we don't know what the creative differences that led to the split were. Uh, but I know he mm-hmm. wanted to go in more of like a, go- a gothic direction, something similar to the uh, to, to the TV movie that was done of Doctor Strange, um, which was very much a, a gothic style horror film. Uh, that being said, again, you know, like I, one, I know you say we we don't count three, but I know as soon as you said three, you know, I'm doing the, the little gun shimmy dance that we, we get. Too hot. <laughs> you know, I know that everything that uh, is supposed to happen in the WandaVision t- uh, Disney Plus series is supposed to lead directly up into this Doctor Strange film. That we did get a taste of WandaVision during the Super Bowl commercials. There was a, a Super Bowl commercial yeah. that had multiple yeah. uh, Marvel Plus uh, Marvel series from Disney Plus on them, and uh, that was one of them. And it looks like it's going to kind of be. I don't know if it's her altering reality or her bending reality with a little bit of time travel or is this multidimensional? Who knows? Uh, all I know is it looked pretty interesting. Yeah, it definitely so looks like think, a monkey? fun, weird-ass anthology show. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Monkey and Raimi, as a director? Mm. Yeah, it's just, oh, man. it's Because, again, it's like, are they going to keep them on a pretty tight leash and be like, okay, we know who you are and what you can do, but we you got to be able to blend it with the other stuff, and or are they going to just let them go full bore? But I think also, you know, D- Disney has a very strict vision of what they want and where they want it to go, and I I, I just don't see Raimi being happy with, you know, I'm thinking they're going to keep a really tight leash on him. I don't think he's going to be real happy with that. Yeah, it's probably not going to be good when he shows up on set with Bruce Campbell going, I'm ready to go. Got my Doctor Strange. Uh, let's get this movie made, guys. Uh, we already have Doctor Strange casted. Uh, ben and the Cumberbatch. Oh, well, you know, I just brought Bruce. He just thought he could do something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm ready to be Doctor Strange. No, Bruce, we told you no. 
Okay, well, I'll be in my trailer. <laughs> no, that's not your trailer. That's Benedict's. Uh, well, you know what? I'll just wait in the car then. All right, Sam, have a good sheet. <laughs> I'll be in the Delta. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows? I'll be waiting. Maybe, just maybe, they're laying the groundwork. You know, and we're talking like years down the road, but this could be that very first puzzle piece to getting the live-action Spider-Verse movie made. You know, who knows? Maybe, maybe we see the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man pop up in Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange in the ma- you know, Multiverse of Madness. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Is it going to be symbiote, you know, Peter Parker, where he's doing jazz hands the entire time? It's like, what are you doing? This isn't oh, scary. I want jazz this hands. I'm just hoping if they really do go over I mean, they do give them some room, though, just because you know, when you go back and read the old Doctor Strange comics, you know, they were, um, you know, an, an entity to themselves. You know, they were busy working the background of the Marvel Universe, and they weren't up there, you know, like the X-Men and the Avengers and stuff like that. You know, it, it was all backseat stuff that was keeping things in check in the universe. And I'm, you know, thinking if they keep that in mind, then it can be an interesting movie, and they can definitely give Raimi some room to play at the same time. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I have confidence. I mean, but so far, this is, I think it's just talks, right? I think it's not, he's not yeah. confirmed. I think it's just talks There's at this point of just maybe. Nothing confirmed yeah. in any way at all. This literally broke like today. So, you know, for all we know, you know, they might have spoken to somebody that's, you know, connected to Ramey's assistant Bruce director. Campbell. You know, somebody, somebody, somebody <laughs> so far down the line that they have actually no idea whatsoever. You know, it could be attributed to Kevin Feige happened to walk by Sam Raimi on the streets of Hollywood, and that's all it was. That could be it, too. Or Bruce Campbell just sitting in the launcher outside of Marvel Studios going, hey, guys, uh, just let me know. I'm here if you need me for anything. Just give me a holler. I, Bruce Campbell. And I Wonder happen to know a director. His name's Sam. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard of him or not. Um, Bruce Campbell is Wonder Man. Oh. I, would see I would definitely see that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be okay or with old that. Superman. If you were to go Crisis on Infinite Earths, <laughs> Superman with like the gray temples, that, that, oh, you yeah. could pull that off. Like Which he, he did you uh, mean like, post on his Instagram, I think. Yeah, or Twitter. You, you mean like uh, Kingdom Come Superman? Yes. yes, Kingdom Come exactly. Superman. Which he did put on his Twitter <laughs> of him with a gray beard saying, anybody up for Superman? And I was like, yeah, I would. I would in a second. I'd love to Superman. <laughs> I've been okay. so entrenched in the DC universe lately. It's just been ridiculous. I've been just loving the app way too much, man, reading way too many old comics. That's okay. Well, we'll get into that. So we have our two guests. Um, I'm going to intro them one at a time. Uh, so first up, I'm going to introduce uh, Todd Saruk of Theater of Terror, also known as the Horror Nerd. Welcome to the show, Todd. Hey, hey guys. What's up? Glad right. to have you here. And I'm also going to bring on your cohort, Mr. Tom Ryan himself, Director of Phases and also behind Theater of Terror. Tom, welcome Hello, to the show. Fellas. How are you? Thank you. Excellent. Great to be here. Thank you so much for coming on board tonight to talk to us tonight about what you have going on. So, gentlemen... You guys have a new project going on, so I don't know who wants to take the floor first, Todd, Tom, but what do you have coming down? What, what's next for you guys at Theater of Terror? Tom, go for it. Okay. Uh, so we are starting next week. We will be starting uh, 
Uh, we're going to start shooting our first short of another four shorts as part of another anthology because it's the sequel to Theater of Terror, and it's called Return to the Theater of Terror. Okay, excellent, excellent. So what is the impediment? What, what are we working with? How many uh, stories are we going to be doing this time around? It's going to be another four stories similar to the first one. Um, there's okay. going to be a wraparound story once again, and uh, we are uh, delving into four completely different subgenres of horror. Once again, we're going to have another sci-fi entry, another horror entry, uh, another dark drama, and another sort of a creature feature, but more of a, well, I don't want to give anything away, but let's just say that we're kind of sticking with the formula. Okay, and uh, Todd, I will give you this question. Uh, do you think oh. anthologies are kind of on the rise because of things like Creepshow and Shudder and because of the success of, of your first entry uh, doing that first theater terror movie? Do you think that anthologies are kind of the way to go now with art? Um, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, if you look at even things like Nightmare Cinema from Mick Garris, you know, um, there's another yeah. uh, anthology that I really love called Southbound. Um, yeah. I think anthologies have always been popular because they let you tell a lot of different stories all within the same kind of narrative, you know, so you can go in a bunch of different directions. So, yeah, I think I, from what I've seen, they're as popular as ever, which is one of the factors that contributed to us deciding to do another anthology. Okay. And uh, Tom, why anthology? Why did you decide to go the route the first time with that first film? Uh, well, not to be repetitive, but, but like Todd said, um, the reason we did it for the first film is because we were basically, we were basically looking to do a feature and um, I wasn't in love with the idea of handcuffing myself to a one and a half uh, hour feature film with the same set of characters and the same storyline. I didn't really think that I had anything that would be that compelling, but there were a lot of short stories and, and, and genres I wanted to explore such as science fiction and creature features. And I really couldn't decide what to pursue. So the idea of doing an anthology was a lot of fun because now we don't have to choose from, you know, one handful of actors. We could choose from many handfuls of actors. We could choose from different cinematographers, different special effects artists, different locations, different storylines. Um, different moods in our, in our stories. And uh, that to me was really the draw is the fact that we got to, we got to play with so many different ideas and, and play with so many different people in the indie horror community to, uh, to make the anthology. So that was really the draw. And as Todd mentioned, um, because of the success of the theater of terror and the way it was received from fans. And um, the greatest part is that they all had a different favorite short in the film and for many different reasons. And it, it was just kind of a no-brainer to say, well, look, we, we did such a great job on the first one. Why don't we pursue it again? And we're at no um, shortage of stories to tell. So we kind of wanted to follow it up with some more and keep that theme of the, um, the theater of terror being that, um, uh, that uh, 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 kind of conduit between the, this world of the bizarre and reality. And, and we, we, uh, we just said, if you've got something that's working, why, uh, why change? Excellent. Excellent. So what are uh, some of your inspirations uh, when you're writing these stories? Like, what do you look to as far as films? I know you said it's going to be like sci-fi, 
uh, horror and different elements bring this anthology together. So what do you look towards for inspiration when you're writing these scripts or these entries? So I, I get it from a lot of different places. You know, we've mentioned, as far as the first film was concerned, all the classics, Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, Night Gallery, um, Tales from the Dark Side, Creep Show. Um, you, you know, the, the, the list goes on and on as far as the anthologies that influenced me as I was a kid. Um, C.M. Eddy uh, Jr., who uh, um, wrote a great short book called, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the book now. Um, but, uh, the, oh, the, the, uh, the loved dead. And it's a great collection of his short stories. And he was like best friends with Harry Houdini. And, uh, it's just, he, just the author in itself. He, he's a very, uh, um, interesting person to, to, to read up on and research. And he had a, a, that collection. I read that, I think it was about 12 to 15 short stories, just very much in the vein of the twilight zone. And, uh, that kind of stuff inspires me because, I think that it's um, it's 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 uh, very compelling when you can tell a short story uh, within 15 to 20 minutes, or you know, within 12 to 15 to 20 pages, um, and and uh, get 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 a real spine-chilling um, effect on your reader or on your viewer. And I think there's really something special about that. Um, and and it's just something that really influenced me when I write these things. Um, I'm always I'm always thinking about. You know, how can we get a great little story that we don't have to have too much window dressing on that's really to the point and really frightening and uh, really twisted? Um, and Todd could tell you because Todd actually uh, contributed to this anthology uh, with a short story of his own uh, that, he had, uh, uh, that he had sent to me to read. And uh, I really thought it was uh, uh, a great short with a lot of potential. Uh, I, I did a rewrite on it, not for any reason other than to kind of do a screenplay and just kind of think it out, like how we're going to shoot it and what's really important. And I did a rewrite and sent it back to Todd and he loved it and we incorporated it. So uh, it, it works well. So it's great too, to have like other writers contributing some ideas to it. Well, I love what you said with how the, uh, how you doing guys, by the way, you know, I, I am here. I'm just listening to, to everything going on. Hey. Um, Good. Hey. <laughs> but two of the things that you said that I love and what I loved about theater of terror is one, you know, the different genres that you put within it, you know, you had a supernatural horror, you had Cronenberg esque body horror, you had science fiction and then a creature feature. And then you tied that all together with that, awesome little bow that story of the theater itself and such a great location and everything yeah the other thing you said though too is i just i love the different viewpoints you get from the different creative teams you put together for it the different cinematographers you know you guys used my house as a location for it like there were just so many different things about the film how hard is it to tie all of that together and actually come up with such a successful package the way you did uh, Todd, you want to answer this one? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that, that we were thinking about and that that we liked, like you just said, Keith, was with the four different short stories, we did get to work with a lot of different people. Tom can correct me on the exact number, but I think if you added up everybody uh, who who contributed in some way to the film – whether it's acting or crew, it's about a hundred people altogether. So it was just amazing to work with the diversity. And as much as it, it 
physically pains me to have to say this. I have to give Tom a lot of credit <laughs> because of his ability to pull that all together. You know, uh, the, the theater of terror was my first real producing gig, you know? So I was learning a lot on the job. So, you know, so to speak, and to just watch it all come together uh, was, was really cool. And to get all the different perspectives of all the different cinematographers or actors or whatever uh, was, was very, very cool. And then like Tom said, you know, I'm very excited that I was able to contribute this time in a writing capacity. Like he said, I had this idea uh, for a for a short film that I was going to try to you know make myself um, that I was going to write and direct and produce on my own, and I felt it was a little ambitious for a first timer. And Tom said, "Look, I like the story. How about we make it part of the theater of terror? That way, you'll have all you know my input." and everybody else's input to help you. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And um, so that's how that came about. So I'm very excited about that um, as well. So it's a big undertaking, but um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the next phase. That's now, so how great. does it feel um, to have such a, a grand demise in the original Theater of Terror? But not only that, <laughs> but to have it received the way it is every single time. How does that make you feel as a person? <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll keep it brief. Just when you see all of the hard work come to fruition, Keith, you were there. We basically mm -hmm. froze our asses off in the middle of the woods, you know, in the middle of the night. Um, all getting tired and cranky and um, irritated. I thought my dad was going to murder Tom. Uh, but <laughs> then you see it on the screen and, and you Johns, see man, the reaction great. of the audience, and you're like, yep, that was all worth it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what it all comes down to. Uh, and something that I, I often ask a lot of people, and I'm going to ask you two both, uh, whoever wants to take it first, you can. Why horror? Like, why is it that you're attracted to it? What makes you want to direct? What makes you want to write? Why is the horror genre what you're attracted to? Because we do the podcast. You know, I write on the side. I do what articles for the website, you know, on Facebook. But why horror? What is it about it that attracted you both to it? Uh, before we get into your plug for how we contribute to part two of this uh, anthology. Well, um, <laughs> I uh... – I mean, I, you know, like I'm sure like everyone on the call here, I, I grew up on horror. Um, so for me, it was, there's a very simplistic reason. It, I think it's the creativity in horror. Um, you know, I'm also a big sci-fi fan and it has to do with the creativity. Um, I really enjoy, and fantasy movies. I love, you know, Clash of the Titans and stuff like that and Jason and the Argonauts. And um, I, that's what really drew me towards filmmaking was just the creativity like that the making of or the how to do something. And when I really started getting behind the scenes and seeing that type of things, you know, via um, magazines like Fangoria um, and I would like read about the effects artists and I see the props being built and I, and I kind of watch the making of the empire strikes back or, or, or of, uh, uh, you know, of King Kong or something. I, I really fell in love with the process What's great about horror is that you get to explore that kind of stuff in so many different genres that, and, and, and explore different genres that you normally wouldn't. 
in those genres themselves. So, for instance, in horror, you can have a very dramatic horror piece, or you could be watching a horror comedy, or you could be watching a mixture of both, or you could be watching a horror sci-fi film. Um, and and there's so many there's so many different approaches to horror, uh, and add that plus the creativity of it, creating monsters. Uh, creating suspense, creating uh, 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 spine-chilling ch- uh, scenarios, um, over-the-top acting of someone getting caught up with a chainsaw of, or of a girl panicking in the woods while she hides. Um, all that, the co- a combination of all of that, really the bottom line is it's just fun, man. It's really just fun. And just as a filmmaker, I love uh, movies with very uh, serious, uh, storylines and subject matter like a Schindler's List or what have you. I love movies like that, but I don't feel compelled to make movies like that because I'm really just drawn to the fun aspect. And whether we're doing something serious, which I mean, all, all of our stuff is really serious. There might be slight touches of comical stuff in there, but not even to the point where it's comic relief, but just kind of stuff that you chuckle at. Um, but I, I just like going in that direction with horror because it allows me that freedom to just be creative, go nuts, um, have fun with so many different aspects of making it. Whereas if you're tied to a comedy, it better better be um, funny. You know, it better be good. The timing's got to be right. If you're doing a drama, it better be compelling. It's It's got to be some important subject matter or else people blow it off. So when it comes to horror, I think there's just so many opportunities to have so much fun as a filmmaker, as a writer, as an actor, as a special effects artist, that it's really, um, you know, it's just one of my favorite genres. And I mean, it might be my favorite genre, but when it comes to writing, I think it comes to me very easily when it comes to horror, a lot easier than if I think I sat down and tried to write like some like reflective piece about like a boy growing up in the Midwest. Like it's just not like something that comes naturally to me, but horror does. Why do that? You write about a boy growing up in the Midwest. I mean, you have to obviously add some kind of invasion or murder aspect because otherwise it's just (laughs) actually right. Children of the corn, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, Todd, same question. Um, So, well, you know, I got introduced to horror when I was a kid I had a favorite aunt who would let me watch movies that my mother would in a billion years would never have let me watch. Um, you know, so just being introduced to it as a kid, you know, like, like Tom said, all of us got exposed to it at an early age. But for me, I like horror for the same reason that, you know, we people like to go on roller coasters or anything like that, that adrenaline rush that feeling of being scared, but yet at the same time, you know, it's only a movie yet. You still get taken out of your comfort zone. You get made to feel uneasy, you know, just things like that. And, and just the unpredictability of it. Um, you know, like a rom-com, they're all pretty much cookie cutter, you know, um, and, and things like that don't really appeal to me, but horror, if you think about, I don't think I could even list all the possible subgenres of horror, you know, slasher, creature, you know, go, you know, pure gore, whatever. It's so diverse. You literally could never get tired of it. And now 
guys, I'm sure you feel the same way with just services out there like Shutter and Amazon Prime. Oh, my God, there are movies that I never dreamt I'd have access to, you know? It's just endless. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's just so many things about it that attract me. And then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can – Maybe I can try making a few of these things. Let's see how that goes. That's now, so knowing so, you, Todd, the way that I know you, you know, I, I just have to hazard the guess that whatever you wrote has got to have to do with, like, Internet stupidity in some way, shape, or form. Because, man, <laughs> you are on the nose with that all the time. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say anything. Let's just say that it, the subject matter may surprise you. And I'll leave it at that. Okay, so we'll do that. So to steal one from Joe Lynch, let's wax your car. Let's get those plugs out there. So first, uh, you have the the donations going on for the newest anthology. So where can people find it, and how can they donate, guys? Well, we're going to be launching um, a fundraiser very soon. Um, But uh, you can visit theaterofterror.net. That's T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Visit theaterofterror.net, um, and you can just subscribe to our mailing list right now. What I'm going to be doing in the near future is sending out another notification for anyone that might be interested in donating prior to our official fundraiser, and we're offering like a 10% discount. So whatever perk you would get um, you know, at $10, you could get it at $9. Um, so we're uh, we're basically offering that for anyone that wants to contribute before the project uh, takes off or before the fundraiser takes off. So subscribe to our mailing list for sure. You can follow us on Facebook at Theater of Terror. If you're on Twitter or Instagram, it's Theater Terror. Um, and I am also on Twitter as uh, Tom Terror One. So uh, yeah, you guys could reach out to us at any time, or or your viewers could reach out to us about how to get involved, how to contribute. Uh, but we'll be launching the fundraiser very soon. Excellent, guys. So, again, uh, Thomas Ryan, Todd Saruch, thank you guys so much for joining us on Talking Terror. Uh, I've met you both in person, and you guys are just some of the friendliest guys uh, I've ever met at a convention, at any kind of movie premiere. So if you guys out there that are listening, if you've ever met them, shake their hand, donate, do whatever you have to do, because they're making it happen. Indie horror is where it's at. So thank you guys so much, and we hope that we get some updates once the once everything the gets launched and, and we're on the way. Go buy the movie, Day 9, Faces, Theater of Terror. You know, you want to see the best-looking guy in Long John's, man? Theater of Terror. Abducted, man, right there. <laughs> awesome. Thank you a lot, guys, for having us on. Thank you, guys, Thank so you guys. much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. I appreciate it. Take care. All right, so that was Thomas Ryan and Todd Saruch of Theater of Terror. They told you how you could find them on the interwebs and how you could donate, so we're looking forward to many more updates from them both. Great guys, like I said. They, they are both uh, two of the best guys you class with me. I know, Ghoul, you've met them. I've met them. Uh, they're just, they love horror, and they're making it happen. What the hell, man? Tom was like, you know, straight up directed me. You know, my, 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 uh, they, I, I, what I heard, okay, I heard, you know, obviously I can't confirm this, similar to the whole Sam Raimi thing. I heard that there was a possibility that I was up for, like, a best supporting actor at some point. Whoa. But, um, but yeah, but it, it fell through somehow, you know, but, you know, I, look, it happens, you know. Todd was, you know, in the production running, but that didn't happen. And Tom, you know, best director, but 
like, you know, I don't know, these guys come out with shit like the Irishman and stuff like that, and that gets put ahead of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. It's kind of too far, Lord. Okay. So guy or something. Well, yeah, well, real, real quick, uh, Ghoul, uh, Abductor was the sequence that you were in for Theater of Terror, right? Uh, yes, yes, indeed, I was. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, and we've seen that footage, and it looks fucking epic. I mean, in his fucking, you know, in a lot of land that he lives on, they, they made some fucking magic with that up there. <laughs> um, so it would be benefit everybody to check that out, the Theater of Terror Anthology. Abducted with a very own ghoul, B. Keith, you know, starring in that. Um, so, yeah, you have all the Switch <laughs> fans. <laughs> I don't know. I want, yeah, you have a lot of Swedish fans in it because it's midsummer. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so the trailer for Spiral, the book of Saw, which I had thought was going to be the title, it actually is official. It's going to be called Spiral uh, from the book of Saw. The teaser trailer dropped today. I had a chance to watch it. Uh, did you guys have a chance to watch it? Because I want to talk about it. Oh hell yeah, I did. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to kick it off with the monkey first because he was kind of quiet during the interview, unfortunately. But uh, what did you think about Spiral, uh, the trailer, the teaser? Uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It looks like a fresh take on the entire thing. It looks like they are definitely going the route of still willing to spend money on it, so I'm glad that they are you know, have some financing behind this thing. And I'm just interested to you know, actually get a fresh take on this thing, you know. And it's got Samuel yeah, fucking yeah. Jackson in it. You want to play game, motherfucker? <laughs> Hell yeah, I do. <laughs> um, but, Ghoul, what did you think about the the spiral tra- of trailers uh, that came out today? Eh, I don't know. You know, I watched it uh, probably like an hour, <laughs> hour and a half ago. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. You know, like looking at it, it's I a teaser, you know, it is a teaser. I get that. It totally is. You know, and. So, obviously, this is what? Taking place within the world of Saw, correct? That, that, that's the yes. route that they're going yep. in. So, it's not a reboot yes, or anything like that. This is just still within right. the realm universe of Saw. We're, yes. we're, we're kicking off the Sawverse. Um, <laughs> you know, I... Uh, it, it, obviously, look, the quality of the film, or whatever it is that they're putting forth is what ultimately is going to to be what either succeeds or fails. Um, Going by the teaser trailer, I, uh, you know, it obviously feels like its own film, which for me makes me feel like, well, why do you have to tie the Saw name to it? You know what I mean? Like, are you just doing that to try to kind of say, hey, fans, why don't y'all come over and watch this movie because it's just like Saw. See, it's even in the same Mm. universe. Um, yeah. As opposed to letting it establish its own identity, uh, but again, obviously, look, whatever they do with the story, you know, for all I know, they tie this all in perfectly, and it makes perfect sense that it takes place in the Saw universe. I don't know. Chris Rock was mm, yeah, you know, handcuffed, handcuffed to a freaking gas pipe with a saw. That's what I saw. Yeah, I, I I dug that. Um, that I kind of agree with you. Where it's kind of when I watch a trailer and all of a sudden the saw thing kicks in, all of a sudden I got goosebumps. I'm like, oh shit, we're going back. You know, we're back in the saw universe with that theme that played in every fucking movie. We want to be back in the saw universe. There's ten fucking movies. But we're back into it now with this movie. Um, 
You know, I, I think it's going to be a fresh take. Um, I like the fact that it was only like a minute and 12 seconds long. It's not like a full two-minute, 30-second spot. You know, they give you a couple shots. You know, they show you what the movie's kind of going to be about. You know, they don't go into too much detail. You know, there's obviously a person that's obsessed with spirals, and he has some traps, just like Jigsaw did. They don't give you a lot, which I like. I, I think that what they did was great because they're not giving you a lot. They're teasing you, and I thought that's the right way to go. Rather than giving you a full trailer, they're going to make you wait for the full yeah, and we've talked so many times before about how they just give too much away in the trailers, you know, and you yeah. see the entire movie in the first trailer. You know, the, the first trailer that drops is always supposed to be a teaser trailer, but it's a five-minute-long trailer that shows you the entire fucking movie, you know, and well, I'm glad there's a second or third trailer that does that. Unfortunately, it's, it's the theatrical <laughs> trailers that really kill you, you know? Yeah. You see one of them's going to do it. <laughs> you know, it's only a matter of time, because that... The spiral drops uh, May 15th, so a couple months mm-hmm. away. So I guarantee you you're going to see another one within a month or two, probably in March, I would imagine. They're probably going to drop another one where it's the full trailer, where it's like, okay, now we're getting the full two-minute and 30-second trailer. They're going to show you everything. And I just – I don't know. I like the teaser because it didn't give you a lot. You see the puppet, but it's not really the puppet. It's kind of like a new one. So it's, is this a copycat? Is this somebody that just was obsessed with Jigsaw? And he's taking it upon himself to kind of pick up where John Kramer left off. Mm. You know, there's a lot of questions, which I like. Yeah, and and that's the thing about the world of Saul, though, is that he has his disciples. You know, he has his students, you know, those who pick up the lessons and carry it on. You know, so this could be, you know, very much one of those things where it's, you know, someone else, you know, carrying on the the legacy of Jigsaw. Well, he's dead. It's got to be somebody else. I think he's dead. Well, yeah. I, I, I don't think I got past the fifth movie still, so. <laughs> I know. We talked about that previously. It's kind of, uh, I mean, the movies, uh, like I said, Jigsaw, the last one that came out, I think that was 2017 when it came out. I, I could be wrong. But that movie, I, got it. I watched it in the theater. I'm so disappointed. Like, that movie, I was like, what the hell? Like, you know, just don't do this. And they made it the way they Wasn't it a prequel? It. it was. It was, unfortunately. And I wanted it to be something else, and it was a prequel to everything that happened. And I was like, you know, it was the M. Night Shyamalan thing that they always do at the end, where it's like, we're going to tie everything together, and it's going to be a prequel. I'm like, God damn it, they did it. They fucking did it. Oh. End of that movie. Well, speaking of yeah, M. Night, fun. actually, though, I, uh, you know, I found out today, because I have, um, mm-hmm. you know, the movie that we're covering tonight, uh, Midsommar, um, I have it on Apple TV because I wanted mm-hmm. the director's cut of it. Yeah. And yeah. the only way to get mm-hmm. that was through Apple. Um, you know, it's a three-hour movie that way. Uh, if two and a half oh. hours is, isn't oh. enough for you. Oh. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, reg- no, thank you. Regardless. Oh, well, now we don't have the gate deals. When I was checking through the app on my Samsung TV, um, which they now have. They didn't have it when I first got it. I was able to just stream it right through the phone, though, onto the television, like Bluetooth or whatever. Yeah. Um, but now that the, the app is there, I actually have a free year subscription to the Apple Plus service. And on there, That's I cool. get some series by uh, M. Night. So I guess he's got some some whole series on there. I forget what it was like called Servant? already. What? Servant, Urgent? I think it is. Yes. 
Servant? Uh, maybe. That, that, servant. You know. Yes, that's, that sounds right. Yeah, servant, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah, so, um, that's cool. Looking though. forward to that. Get to check it out. Um, and you said you were watching okay. that on your on Apple TV. Is that where you found it? Uh, yeah. Well, it's the Apple TV app. So, yeah, that's all. That's all oh, there. okay. So, shut me along the ding dong thing. <laughs> and since we're talking about streaming services and things like that, there's one quick plug I want to give. Uh, Amazon has a five part doc series called Ted Bundy falling in love with a killer that is fucking great. Like I just love I'm watching part air. four right now. Um, the fact that they are taking the Ted Bundy mythos, what makes him so fascinating, and they're saying, you know what, take a fucking backseat, Ted. We're going to talk about the women. We're going to talk about the victims. We're going to talk about the girl that you were dating back when you were killing people, and we're not going to pay a lot of attention to you. We're going to give a lot of story to the victims, and I think that's something that a lot of people have been wanting for a long time, especially with Ted Bundy, is to talk about the victims, to talk about the women that, that were awarded in his trap and killed. Um, so I hope they're paying their families. They are, <laughs> as far as I know. Um, but it's uh, like in less than an hour long uh, each segment, but they focus a lot on the victims, and they focus a lot on Elizabeth Kendall, who was dating him back in the mid-'70s when he was killing these people. Um, and they interview the daughter of Elizabeth Kendall, Molly, who's all grown up now and talking about Ted, so it's not so much about the killer as so much of the victims. And it's so great to see that it's the women that they're focusing on rather than Ted Bundy, the mystifying, good-looking killer. So if you guys have Amazon, check out Ted Bundy Falling for a Killer. Uh, it's mm. definitely worth checking out. If you want to get a different perspective on Bundy as a killer. Did you beat Zach Efron? <laughs> not him. <laughs> um so, that's so is this documentary for, also uh, touching on about how he was charming to the women and able to lure them into stuff, and it's uh, them talking about him, you know, putting on this Casanova-type persona? Yeah. Well, you know how they, they disappeared, and it's talking about how they were susceptible to falling for his charms. Um, one of the victims that they talked to uh, back in 1973, it was one of his first victims that actually survived. Uh, Karen Epley, who was on campus at a college, he broke into her house and he attempted to kill her with one of her bedposts, and he raped her using that and broke her bladder in two. And she survived to this day. And she gave her story about how she didn't die. She survived. He tried to beat her to death, and she somehow managed to survive. So Karen Epley's story is in part one. And it's just hearing her talk about the attack, it's just it's heartbreaking the fact that this woman had to go through that. And then they go right into his next victim, uh, Lindan Healy, who was eventually killed by him, and her body was found after his arrest in the mountains near Washington. So it is worth watching just to see these women talk about it. It also goes into a lot of the feminism movement of the 70s and how women were kind of just like, you're, you're supposed to be wives. Like, you're not supposed to be cops. You're not supposed to be detectives. You're not supposed to, like, do things. You're just supposed to be subservient to your, your man. And it goes yeah. into the women's movement of that time. So it's mm. a lot of, of, of women, you know, going mm. forward and talking about this. And especially Elizabeth Kendall. You know, it's so tragic mm. to, to have all these love letters from Ted from prison, mm. knowing the fact that he is a vicious psychopath and the fact right. that he put on the facade of this perfect boyfriend for her and her daughter. And it's just it's a lot of candid photos of them together in the 70s, and it's, it's an amazing doc. Like, I'm on part four and, right now. 
And is this is is this um straight interviews or is it interviews mixed with uh, theatrical reenactment? It's uh, old footage, actually, from the seventies. So oh, it's okay. All news footage, things that were actually happening, like all the riots and all the protests that were happening in the seventies, mixed right. with the actual footage of the disappearances and the newspaper articles. And who is this guy, Ted, that was seen at Wake Sammamish when he killed Denise uh, Nasland and Janice Ott? You know, the two girls that he kidnapped in broad daylight and killed. You know, it's, uh, you know, just talking about them as people. You know, they're people. Like, they had families. They had moms and dads and boyfriends. And it's giving them a life. They're not just victims of Ted. Like, they're people. And that's the biggest thing about this documentary. Right. Okay. People's the problem. <laughs> um, so moving away from that, uh, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, as we know him, he <laughs> has a dark. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he. There's an article that came out this week that he's been working make on. Like a high, make a honey hole. <laughs> yeah. He has such a great idea for a dark reboot for Pee Wee Herman, which is complete horror, that he has been working on for years, and he wants to see it get made, and I'm on board. Uh, in this reboot, Pee Wee Herman has been locked in a mental asylum, and then when he gets released, he becomes a yodeling champion. Yes, you read that right, yodeling champion. And he eventually goes to Hollywood, where he becomes addicted to drugs and alcohol, and becomes a truly vicious monster in Hollywood. Why isn't this what? movie now? Like. We need this movie now. <laughs> like, I want to see a dark Pee Wee Herman. Like, when I read that, I was like, this is real? Like, he's actually wanting to do this? Yeah, he is. He wants to make this happen. Um, yeah, but at the same time, it's like, so he wants to actually take the character of Pee Wee Herman and take actually Pee Wee Herman and turn yep. him dark side? Yep. Well, hold on here, though. You got to remember something, monkey. Pee Wee Herman as a character himself has gone in multiple directions. We've seen the lovable kid mm-hmm. television host, but then if you've also watched any of his more adult-oriented specials, oh yeah, it's almost like when you see Bob Saget in you know in any of his <laughs> comedy routines. Well, I yeah. saw the 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 latest movie where it had uh, the dude from uh, oh crap, Werewolf Boy. From True Blood in it and stuff like that, but that one was pretty lame. I mean, you know, pretty lame and pretty simple. Well, I didn't see anything yeah, where it was adult oriented. No, his stage work is a lot more adult oriented. Like his yeah, try to look up though. like his HBO yeah. uh, series and mm-hmm. stuff like that. He did a run in the eighties too, man. Prior to Pizza yes, Playhouse getting on TV, and uh, it was raunchy. You know, like my first introduction to Pee Wee Herman was actually <laughs> in one of the. Uh, one of the Cheech and Chong movies. Uh, you know, sorry, I, had, I had a buddy, Vinny, who, uh, you know, again, this is, I'm in grade school at the time. And, you know, I, it had to be like fifth or sixth grade. And my buddy Vinny's like, hey, man, you ever see Cheech and Chong? And I'm like, no. I was like, what the hell is that? I have no idea. All I know as far as drugs go is like the war on drugs. Like President Reagan is telling us drugs are fucking horrible. Don't do this. Don't do that. And then I'm watching these guys. They're smoking this. They're doing that. I have no idea what it is. You know, like a like, uh, smoking Labrador, man. Um, you know, but it looked fucking fun as hell. That's what I know. But, yeah, Pee Wee Herman. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. And I'm doing it again. <laughs> years later, when I see Pee Wee's Playhouse, I'm like, hey, I know that fucker. Uh, <laughs> oh, I just, I would love to see a, a horror version of Pee Wee Herman. And a lot of people online are saying the exact same thing. Like, why isn't this a thing right now? <laughs> why can't now? Why can't we have this? Like, I want to see a horror version of Pee Wee Herman. It'd be great. No, what he should do you know, is he needs, to, he needs to bring back his character from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's what he needs to do. Don't do a horror version of <laughs> he Pee Wee Herman. Bring that that character back and do an entire series or show or whatever you want to do with that character. It's funny you brought that up. Wandering one armed yeah. vampire. No, that's what I'm getting at, though, is, you know, it's, isn't this, like, I don't know, in your opinion, guys, like, a bit, like, you know, crossing the line, maybe killing a classic character here, if you sit there and take a dark side, it's like, you know, because no, the guy fun, was caught jerking off in a movie theater, bro. Yeah, he, yes, the actor was, but not <laughs> yeah. Pee they not to, like Paul Rubin was called. They are one. Of they are one of the same. You don't look at Paul Rubin and not see Pee Wee Herman. We're all grown up now. Mm. People like grew up with Pee Wee Herman. Like we're all adults mm. now. Like you know, we can handle a dark Pee Wee. Like you know, we're not kids anymore. You know, we can handle a dark Pee Wee movie. I would love it. And even mm. Pee Wee's Big Adventure had some dark moments in there, like some horrific mm-hmm. elements with Large March. <laughs> you know? Yeah, done by the Chiodo Brothers. It, it, yeah, and it had those elements. So, But, yeah, like I was telling uh, the ghoul is that he did actually appear in What We Do in the Shadows, the FX series, as that vampire from Buffy the Vampire. Oh, no shit. And it's probably one of the greatest oh, things that I'd ever seen. Oh, yeah, he did. He showed up. He's a part of the Vampire Council, and he showed up, and he's like, yeah, Keeper's not coming. So we should get this trial going. <laughs> <laughs> he had the goatee and everything. It was fucking amazing. <laughs> So, yeah, if you want to check that out, it's on FX, uh, What We Do in the Shadows TV series. It's, I think it's the, the season finale that he shows up in, but it was so fucking great to see him back in the makeup. Wesley Snipes is on Skype as Blade, trying to talk to everybody, and the Skype's not working. He's like, yo, yo, I don't think the Skype's working. They're like, oh, Blade's having trouble. <laughs> it, it was just, it, it's fantastic. Um, and something that we've been talking about for a long time, you, me, the gold monkey, uh, New Mutants. Finally, finally coming out on April 3rd. We're finally going to get our theatrical release of this movie that we've been waiting on for years now, since 2018. Josh Boone, recently, years. he said, <laughs> uh, yeah, where he said his, his influences for New Mutants was Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors, The Shining, and One for the Cuckoo's Nest. But he said the majority of it's going to be Dream Warriors. And now I'm really fucking excited to see this movie. Because Dream Warrior is my favorite entry of the Nightmare series. So I think he's got his heart in the right place to make this movie. Uh, I just hope that it gets released on April 3rd finally and we get to see it. Yeah, I, I agree here, man. It's I, I just want this thing to come out. It's like, you know, but it's going to be so weird, man. It's like it's been delayed so long that, it, it, like, if this thing finally gets released and they have a red carpet event, like, none of the actors are going to look anything like their characters in the movies because – you know, they're so much fucking older now. <laughs> well, I don't think they're going to age that much. I mean, what, two, three years? I mean, it's not going to you know, be that drastic of a difference. It's like, you're so old. <laughs> this time done to you. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Either way, I I just and I'm just really hoping they fucking nail this project, man. It's like I'm hoping they actually do this title justice. You know, again, like you guys know, this was like my favorite title growing up as a kid. You know, fucking love this series, and I like I I'm just hoping they actually do it decent and don't try and like because it looks like they're trying to do the right thing of just giving us an introduction story. You know, to the new mutants, they're not trying to do you know the whole thing of you know, shoving 30 years of comic books into, you know, two hours. Um, no. It looks like maybe – is. Uh, go ahead, cool. No, finish it. Finish your, your thought. Sorry. Oh. It's looking like they're trying to, like, just take the first 15 issues or so while at the same time giving it a dark twist and instead of trying to shove all 100 issues into a two-hour movie. Judging from what I read of the what the director has spoken about with it, um, it's I mean obviously all the grumbles have been it's, it's the Demon Bear saga. So like you said, the first fifteen issues, uh, the fact right. that he's bringing up the Nightmare on Elm Street um, idea is telling me that we're probably looking at stuff. Uh, we're going to be watching a film that the majority of things occurring are not real until the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and that does tie yep. very much into some of the character powers for the characters that I know from the New Mutants in those early series. Uh, so yeah, this, uh, like I said, the, w- with this, I mean, one, yeah, it, it, it's had a release date. I knew that. Um, being that Disney now owns Fox, this is going to be one of those where I think they see the success of something like Joker. Hey, let's put this out there. Mm-hmm. Let's see what it is. If it's successful, hey, guess what, everybody? We're Disney, and we helped them finish this movie, so look what we did. <laughs> if the movie is a stinker, hey, well, this is what Fox did. This is why we bought them, and that's the end of it. No harm, no foul. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> True. It's per- a win-win Personally, I, I ho- exactly. I don't think there's any way they can lose this. They, No matter what, they have a hardcore fan audience that is going to go see the movie regardless, you know? So I know I'm going to be there to see new mutants, you know, but that being said, as a huge X-Men fan, I never made it out to see dark Phoenix. Um, after seeing dark Phoenix, I'm glad I never made it out there to see dark Phoenix, but I kind (laughs) of already had the feeling that that was going to be pretty bad judging from what I was seeing in the trailers. This time around, what I'm seeing in these trailers is kind of giving me a little bit of hope. So I, I'm not in love with the guy they picked for Sam Guthrie. It's the kid from Stranger Things. But um, yeah. everybody else, I uh, I like the casting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, so we'll see. Magic is so hot. So hot. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I can't argue yeah. that. So the last uh, article I have before we get into the movie tonight is we had talked previously about the CW and how they wanted to bring the Lost Boys back to television and then in a series, and, you know, they had all these big plans, and then they, they did the pilot, didn't work out too well. Uh, CW oh. had their questions about it. So now CW is <laughs> back on board. They've once again decided to give Heather Graham, uh, Heather Mitchell, rather, and Rob hey, Thomas another Graham. chance. Yeah, I know what I was going to say. <laughs> no, wait a second, that's not it. Uh, Heather Mitchell and Rob Thomas. Another chance at doing a revamp, no pun intended, uh, pilot. But unfortunately, they have to recast everybody because the last two holdouts were Medellin Rahimi and Dakota Shapiro, who are going to be playing David and one of the Frog Sisters. 
their contract expires, they're gone. So they're no longer a part of the project. And now they have to recast the entire thing. So guess who stepped in to put his hands behind his back and say, we got this, Corey no. fucking Feldman. Oh. To say, CW, you got rid of the Frog Sisters. Good job, bros. Uh, we're available. Me and Jameson Newlander, we're totally available to play the Frog Brothers again. Let's do this thing. Come on, guys. <laughs> I love, I love CW has not answered them at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so easy to do. Because they actually put a video on, I think it was Instagram, of Jameson Newlander and Corey Selvin wearing wigs, trying to pretend to be the Frog Sisters. And they're like, oh, we're the Frog Sisters, and we want to kill vampires. And they're like, yeah, dude, this is why you want to get the real Frog Brothers. We're available. Come on, CW. And I'm like, all right, yeah, sure. I'm sure their phone is ringing off the hook to get them back in this series. They have enough problems trying to recast the entire fucking thing. Now that it's going back into production again, I just—it's it's a messed up thing. They should just drop it. After I seeing see Corey Feldman, though, difficult man. as it is, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but after seeing Feldman and the like, his stature now and his build after we saw him, you know, at the con last year, it's like he's so fucking tiny. It's like twelve-year-old girls are bigger <laughs> than him. You know, it's just, I don't see him really doing anything monster hunting. And being able to pull it off at the same time. He <laughs> was big back then. I know. I'm Edgar Frost. What are you talking about, monkey? <laughs> yeah, but he was supposed to be a kid back then. You know, it's like now he's not that much bigger. And he's. it seems like he's uh, smaller in frame than he is now than he was in the movie. It's like they're going to have to use a lot monkey, of Monkey, monkey, listen. You know, <laughs> you have been hearing it your entire life, buddy. Size doesn't matter, man. Yeah, you're right. I have little heard it all my life. <laughs> <laughs> so he finally found somebody that's shorter than him. So now he's like, "Hey, how's it going, shorty? <laughs> how's the weather down I there?" Just <laughs> I just don't get. The I feel really good that day. <laughs> with all the shows that like CW has put out at this point, with the success yeah. of things like Sabrina, Riverdale the originals, like all of these films that have these supernatural shows, sorry, all of these series that have these supernatural like elements. And again, I I use that word specifically because supernatural has now ended. You're going to have a vacuum. You're going to have a vacuum of, of, of a series, you know, and originals is done. They've tried to replace that with legacies, trying to continue the whole thing. I don't know how successful it is. I'm not, like, tuning in all the time to watch like right. these. We watch, like, the first half of the season. Um, we have it's not gone bad. running back to get the second half. Has, has it gotten bad? You know, I mean, listen, I, I love the originals because it was so dark. Now, I never watched Vampire Diaries because I found that to be too fluffy. Um but you would think, like, you can – why not take the Lost Boys or at least the universe that the Lost Boys live in and just connect it to those series, you know? Tie it in with Sabrina. Tie it in with Riverdale. Create this bigger mm-hmm. world. You've done it with the DC stuff. So now you yeah. just got to do it with this, you know? And, hell, a couple years down the road, if you're really smart, you're eventually going to have the Frog Sisters meet your two main characters from Supernatural when you bring them in for a special episode. Ooh, there you go. Team-up episode. Sam <laughs> <Yeah>. and Dean. Is <laughs> that their names? Uh, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I haven't watched Supernatural in, like, many, many years. 
So I'm out of that boat. What was it like season 28 when they finally decided to get rid of it? And I don't even know where they were Something at. Something like that. With uh, it just went on way too long. Um, okay, so I think after I've had my pie that was filled with some weird substances, maybe pubic hair, I don't know. It was served to me by somebody wearing all white and speaking Swedish. Uh, I think we have a movie to talk about tonight, and that is Midsummer from 2019, directed by Ari Aster. Uh, cool, this is your pick. Uh, so why don't you talk to us about the movie, and uh, let's get into this. Well, it's... Uh... You know, look, the easiest way to sum this up is, you know, breakups suck. Mm. That's that's Midsommar for you. <laughs> that's it. Just breakups. Damn! Nothing else happened. <laughs> a couple broke up, end credits. It was like a five-minute movie. It was great. <laughs> uh, obviously, listen, more things do occur, but... You know that is the uh, the the main gist of it, so to speak. <laughs> it's a break movie, and I, and I knew uh, people that you really did movie. like it. So you were a fan. Yeah, well, I mean, of course. Yeah. I mean, hello, I suggested it. Um. Okay. So, all right, we'll, we'll get to it. Um, Monkey, what do you think about Miss Summer? All right. Oh, uh, yeah. This movie, like. Horror fans were coming out of the woodwork for this movie. Like, this movie was the sleeper hit of 2019. It's like anyone that's a fan of horror, you know, all over the horror um, forums and stuff like that, we're all talking about this movie, like, you know, and how you got to see this movie. You got to see this movie. You know, this was, you know, it, like, just came out of nowhere. And when it came out, everyone was like, you got to fucking see this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, the, the, the fan base is, like, just fucking huge for this thing, you know, so that's why I'm glad we're covering it tonight, because I finally had a chance and excuse to watch it, and it's just, you know, it's just, you know, the fans are just rabid about this movie, and just after watching it all, you know, all I gotta say is, why? How in the fuck is this so fucking popular? It's just, seriously, this, oh my god, this movie like okay, cult, okay, scary cult movie. All right, get it. All right, we're gonna take it and mix it up with some Norse mythology. Okay, yeah, but you're not really bringing anything new to the genre. All right, you didn't bring anything really new here. It's just you brought nothing shocking. You 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 brought nothing to sit there and like effects wise, you know, make us go fucking nuts or anything like that. It's just this. This movie could have easily have been an easy, easy, easy hour and fifteen minutes tops. Okay. Yep. Um. Yeah. It's just movie was fucking painful. But we're gonna get into that. Oh, King, what did you think of the movie? Um. <laughs> you know, we, we we had watched Hereditary and we covered it on the show. He goes another episode. It's in our archive. Um. You know, when Midsummer came out, and a lot of people, like the monkey had said, were talking about it, and it's like, oh my god, this is great. You know, to follow up to Hereditary, Ariaster is great. Um, I put it off for so fucking long because I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to watch this movie. I just, I have no interest because I've seen Wicker Man, and I love Wicker Man, so I'm good with that. You know, I, I'll stick with Wicker Man. So when Ghoul was finally like, you know what, the time is up, boys. We got to watch Midsummer. I was like, all right. I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to try to watch it with an open mind. I'm trying not to get mad. I'm going to try to watch it, 
And then I started playing it, and I'm like, oh, it's two and a half hours. Yay. Like, this is great. Can't wait. Let's dig in. Um, so one thing I will give Ari Aster credit to is he can make me fucking laugh, like unintentionally laugh at some of the things that he does. It's not meant for laughs. It's meant for tension. It's meant for horror. But he makes me fucking laugh. Like the, some of the scenes that happened in Midsummer, and we'll get to it. I literally had to pause because I was laughing too hard. <laughs> oh, you know. Okay, so yeah, was it just, just I, me? Because I I had my uh, I'll call them ghoul moments where that you weren't supposed to be laughing, but I was yes. laughing my fucking ass off at certain moments yeah. of the movie that was happening where it wasn't supposed to be, but I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I had those moments, and we'll get to them. Because I, I felt like he, he definitely cribbed from The Wicker Man, which I know a lot of people have said he did. And he did in his own way. Um, I accepted that, and I understood it going in. I was kind of hoping that he would go and do his own version of The Wicker Man. But at the end, by the third act, when it comes to be what's going to happen, he just dipped back into that well of The Wicker Man. I think he cribbed a lot from The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2000 Maniacs, like he was, he was going into some things where he dipped into a lot of different things. Um, but as we go into the movie, Danny, played by not Chloe Grace Moretz, who I kept fucking thinking was Chloe Grace Moretz throughout the entire fucking movie, I'm like, is that Chloe Grace Moretz? No, that's Florence Hugh. Okay. Mm. But she's having a bad day. <laughs> she's not having a good time. <laughs> when, we, when we meet her in this movie, she's kind of having a bad moment. Because her sister and her parents are dead. Because her sister decided to say, I'm ending it all, and mom and dad are coming with me. And you get to see the fact that she just taped a fucking tailpipe to her face and her parents are with her. <laughs> I laughed. I'm sorry. I cracked up a little bit. Because you have Christian, her boyfriend, who's like, guys, I kind of want to freak up with her because she sucks. But I'm kind of attached. So they're like, she's a jumper. She sucks. She's so fucking miserable. Like, you need to move on. I'm like, yeah, dude, move on. She sucks. Now you got to deal with the fact that her family's dead. And he has to hug her while she screams. Oh, <laughs> man. I was so fucking annoyed by the fucking crying and screaming on the couch and shit like that. I was just like, oh, my fucking God. It's like, And it just seemed like it just wouldn't fucking stop. It's just. You know, and I understand this is to build up to later about not being yeah. alone and your, you know, right. emotions. But, you know, it's to show that she's literally alone and he doesn't give a fuck and all that kind of stuff. But it's just it just went on and on and on. And I was just like, man, I, I was like just hoping he would like just shove her face into the fucking pillow to shut her the fuck up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I, cool, you know, I. Come on, like I mean, I don't mean to take it away from you because this is your pick, so I want to get your perspective on some of these things. But it's one of those things where it's like you have a girlfriend who's got a lot of problems. You probably should just break up with her and move on. But of course, that night that he's like, I might do it. This is the night I'm going to do it, and her whole family's dead. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I laughed, and I shouldn't have, but it just it cracked me up. No, I mean, listen, obviously that's not, it wasn't an intentional, I mean, I'm I'm just, I'm like amazed, I mean, especially with Monkey's point of view on that, man. I mean, at its heart, this is a film about 
shitty family situations. Um, right. It's very yeah. much what he did yeah. with Hereditary, except now he's applied yeah. it into a different into a different genre of film with, you know, again, a, a cult-like area and centering it around, you know, this, this specific actress and uh, character, Danny. Um, I mean, I... Again, I mean, she just found out that her entire family, you know, is 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 dead because her sister decided to commit suicide and and take the parents with her. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, get from from her medication, the Ativan that she's taking, um, and, and just the conversation yeah. that she has with Christian on the phone. Like, I get that. You know what? She comes off as like a needy girlfriend or whatever it is. And yeah, as a guy who has had girlfriends of that nature. It, it can be irritating. I, I've had relationships of that sort um, where it is very much a codependency and all you want to yeah. do is, is get out of that relationship and yet things just seem to keep going on. And sometimes it's your own cowardice that, you, you know, as, as a guy, you know, I can admit that, you know, there were times that it was like, hey, you know what, I don't feel like being fucking single right now, so I'm going to stay with this person. Uh, other times... You know, it's just, you know, something might occur, and, you know, you just kind of keep trooping along. You keep trooping along, and, and that that's all that is. Um, but her the, – the one thing I will not knock in any way, shape, or form in this film is Florence Pugh's performance because she was phenomenal in this. And that wailing, that moaning, that screaming, that crying – was very much it was very genuine you know i've i've unfortunately i i've, I've heard similar you know firsthand you know I have, a number yeah. of times my in my life and it sucks mm. yeah I, i've had an ex that's the exact same way as as danny in this movie i had an ex that's the exact same way who suffers from depression she's on medication i've had to hold her a whole bunch of times and calm her down you know where i'm like it's going to be okay so i mean from that standpoint i got it it's just I just didn't want to see it because I didn't want to relive those moments from my past. Yeah, like, I, I dealt yeah. With it. Like, it's tough, like, um, you know. And yeah, I'm sorry, Mucky, go ahead. No, no, but also I just want to like sidetrack real quick and just say nod to the director for uh, casting who he did for the role of Danny and not going stereotypical hard chick of you know super skinny and super pretty. He actually went with a chick who's sick who's who's got some dimensions. You know, to look like a, a normal mm-hmm. person, you know, and I was impressed with the f- you know, fact that he casted in that uh, idea of, you know, we're not going to go, you know, last girl casting and trying to pick someone that's actually more real. Yeah. And, and with, with after her, after everything's happened, you still have uh, Christian's friends, Josh and Mark, and then you have Pele, who's talking about this ancestral commune, the Harga, which is in Helgesland. In Sweden, he's like, yeah, we're all going to go there. We're all going to have a trip, you know. And he's like, well, I, I, I kind of invited Danny too. And they're like, come on, dude, she's a fucking bug. Dude, like, come on, dude. she sucks. And he's like, well, she, yeah, well, she doesn't really want to go, but she's going to go. <laughs> well, again, though, what we, you have need... is you have distinct personality differences between all of these guys. Oh um, yeah, you do. You yeah. know, Pele is, you know, obviously the foreign influence. He's the guy that's going to. Bring us on our journey, you know, the wizard, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Mark, <laughs> He's the game, you know, <laughs> is kind of, you know what I mean? Um, you know, Mark is the stereotypical Western, you know, 
well, if you're to look at it from the perspective of European culture and whatnot, he is your typical American douchebag. The kid is the sitting there guy. vaping yeah. the entire time. He's not the fucking mm-hmm. party guy. He's just an annoyance fucking loudmouth. I have a guy that I he, work with that, okay, he comes into the fucking office every morning. Now, specifically, the office, you know, is, is no smoking at all. But, you know, because he right. vapes, he thinks that that's oh, a fucking okay thing to do. So, you know, <laughs> he can sit there at the table and fucking vape away. And it's like, you know what, asshole? Nobody else does it, but, you know, you want to be a dick and fucking do it, and then nobody says anything to him because he's like a big fucking whiny baby who will start a fight or go home, and then that creates shit for the rest of the company for the day. Meanwhile, everybody just wants to hit him over the fucking head with something. Um, but that, that's he's, your more he's character the there. He's the bard. <laughs> if, you wanted to, if you wanted to kill the bard, yes, you can kill the bard. Um, you know, you, you got Josh who is so entranced in his, his yep. work and being study, this, yeah. this anthropologist in this study, like he's willing to just whatever, you know, he, he's almost a non-entity other than the fact that he gives us some little tidbits of knowledge, you know, and then you get Christian here who for all intents and, and purposes really has, guy. he has no personality. <laughs> whatsoever. No, he's nope, the kind not. of guy, like, if you had friends, he's the kind of guy that, like, picks little bits and pieces from other people that he hangs out with and <laughs> yeah. kind of yep. becomes all of them. He's like the chameleon friend, yeah. you know? Like, hey, I don't actually have anything interesting about myself whatsoever. I'm just going to be, you know, a little bit of this when I'm hanging out with this guy, or I'm going to be a little bit of that when I'm hanging out with that guy, and so forth and so forth. I was so annoyed by Christian throughout this entire fucking movie, dude. Like, he just, he's a blank fucking slate the entire fucking movie. There's nothing about him where I'm like, okay, I kind of sympathize with him. He is just like, he, like the girl just said, he just, he picks, you know, from other personalities, and that's who he is. And just, ah, like, I get it. You have Josh, mm-hmm. you know, the intellectual, you have Pele, mm-hmm. who's going back to this village, mm-hmm. and then you have Mark, who's like, yeah, I'm fucking baking, guy. I can't wait to bang some fucking Swedish shrimp. <laughs> then you have Christian, who's just like, yeah, I'm going. And I might just fucking just hang out, I guess. I don't know. Like, it's still wet blanket the fucking entire time that he's there. Well, he's not, like, he's constantly not committing to anything. He doesn't want to commit to the nope. relationship with Danny. He doesn't want to commit to breaking up with Danny. He can't finish his fucking school paper because, you know, he just doesn't want mm-hmm. to commit to that. The whole thing with going on the trip, you know, I loved his little ploy where he was like, oh, well, you know, by the way, guys, I invited Danny, but she's not going to go. You know, like I invited her, she Mm -hmm. said she's going to go, but (laughs) she's really not going to go. And then when he's going to answer the door, though, I love when he turns around and he's like, oh, by the way, I kind of told her that it was your idea to invite her. So not only did (laughs) he go and invite her on top of like behind all these guys' backs. He also told her they invited her to put them in a shitty situation. Like this, like, and again, this is what this director is doing. He did this with Hereditary where he painted people that were yes, real, did. but they were real in ways that you just dis, you kind of dislike them because, you know what, you've either known people like this, maybe you see a little bit of yourself in this in some way, shape, or form. Like, I give Ari Aster a lot of respect. I know the whole, hey, it's elevated horror thing. I hate that fucking term. I do. It's but, I don't like that term at all. Yeah. But like Tom was saying earlier, you know, the horror genre is one that has like all these different branches and you have all these different things that you can paint with it. You can take any subgenre and make it a horror movie. You can take any genre of film and make it a horror movie. Aster has yeah. specialized 
in taking family and dysfunctional family and putting mm-hmm. them in horror situations. Go ahead, Monkey. See, I want to what, say something. Yeah, yeah, because uh, the whole character of Christian, it's like uh, watching him and the way he acts and the way he develops, it's like he is the one who would grow up to become a politician out of all of them. Yeah. yeah. No, because he can't. Maybe I mean he can't commit to anything though. He's got no backbone. And you know None. what? The, the reality is this: as much as we may sit here, make fun of politicians, all the shit going on, you know, right now with the, you know, Air Trump. Um, oh, thank <laughs> you. The one thing we can give all of these guys is that you know they do have brass balls to try to fucking do some of the things they try to pull off him included man you know i i don't like the guy you know i don't i don't follow either party you know i'm not not nope. for him or anything like that i'm just saying though a lot of these guys they i got to give them the credit of having the fucking balls to be like you know what fuck this i'm going to go i'm going to go up there and i'm going to tell them this and that and see what happens and what i will give them credit for um okay, when they finally yeah, so get so we had head over to Sweden <laughs> yeah, and that's what I when I start to give this movie a little bit of credit. When they get to House England, you know, and they get to the Harga, I, I from a visual standpoint, Wait, we're not st- I fucking love this movie. Wait, we're not stopping. We're not stopping in Stockholm. To, no, like, we're fuck, not. We're fuck going. Fuck Swedish- we're going. No, we we're have not. a fucking four-hour thought- drive to House England. Okay. We have to go. But, uh, but I thought we were stopping in Stockholm. Stockholm. I, I no, want to fuck Swedish shit. Up, what the dude. fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> We're stopping in Helsingland, four-hour trip. But again, like I said, uh, from a visual standpoint, it's beautiful. Like the way that they filmed this commune, um, the Harga, like it's so beautiful to see um, just from all the dress that they wear, you know, and their outfits to the fact that the sun is so bright, you know, and it just makes it seem like this is just like a perfect paradise for anybody. Um, I love the way that Ari Aster took that uh, framing of it. And when they first arrive, and it's like, oh, hey, welcome, guys. Hey, you know, give me a hug. Like, you know, we're all family, you know, and here, hey, have these fucking mushrooms. Why don't you just take some? Fuck because you. we brought some. Let's trip <laughs> out for a little while. I love his Kubrick-esque film style here. Yeah. Um, yep. With these early sequences mm-hmm. where we're doing all these above shots and these weird upside-down shots. And, you know, it, it makes Oh, it yeah, feel... the shot of the road was awesome. Oh, it was, it, was really, it was really cool as it cut under the yep. sign and then it comes up and around. Like, it almost makes you feel like you're in another fucking world altogether, which, you know, we are. You know, that's the idea yeah. here is that we're entering this this other culture, you know, where we're, we're entering something that us as Americans, you know, because we are very secular, we're very xenophobic, um, you know, and it's kind of, you know, how a lot of us are. You know, we may all want to deny it. We may want to all say, oh, no, man, we're all fucking open-minded, this and that. But I'm sorry, seeing some of the things we see in this film, if we were to go to any of these countries and see that happen, most of us would be reacting like fucking Simon and Molly, not like any of the other people. Fuck yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, yes, the cinematography, fantastic. I love how this, this opens up into this... This this strange adventure, you know, like we, we, we get to that big field where they pull up with the car. He's, you know, yeah. meeting people and family members, and he's explaining that, you know, hey, these people also were out on their journeys. Uh, we're going to get a little more of an explanation of that in a little bit. Um, and Gamar, yeah. you know, it's right to the mushrooms, man. 
yeah, it's, <laughs> of course it's Danny going. I don't know if I'm ready for it, guys. I don't know. I guess, uh, you know, I, I don't know. And uh, Christian again, not being on one side or the other, is like, I don't know. Like, I want to do it now, but if you don't want to do it now, we don't have to do it now. And she's like, No, babe. Like, I want to do it. He's like, Are you sure? Because uh, no. we totally don't have to do it right now. No. And he's like, Well, we have tea. You'd rather have tea. And she's like, Yeah, I think I'll be okay with the tea. Like, you know, let's just drink some tea and we'll just trip uh, out. And I love the fact uh, that Mark is tripping out going, the fuck, why is the sun up? It's 9 o'clock at night. Like, it's okay. It's okay. It's the Swedish sun. Like, you know, what? What? Like, you know, I, I'm, I need to lay down, guys. Yeah, but at the same time, though, man, Danny's character is just annoying the fuck out of me. It's just that it's, she's that annoying chick that wants to be there but doesn't want to be there, doesn't want to be part of the fun. You know, and it's just I've been in that situation so many times where I've been stuck with someone where it's like we're here to do the thing, but you don't want to do the thing now, you know. And it's just mm-hmm. sorry, Ghoul. It sounded like you had something to say. No, no, I wanted to to hear what you were saying with it first, though. Um, oh, okay. I don't. It's not a matter of her not wanting. You got to remember something here. This is. You know, the death of her family, let's say, occurred. We don't ever get any real-time stamps on any of this. So, no. But what I'm going to nope. guess is, is we're heading – they said they were going from mid-June to mid-July, which was in two weeks. So let's say this is yeah, the beginning yeah, of yeah, June. Yeah, Ju- it did take two snow, weeks. So you're right. So judging from the snow at the beginning of the movie, we're going to gather that this stuff happened, let's say, five to six months prior because mm-hmm. she was in the school year because she mentions that she's not she doesn't have to take her classes they're going to give her a pass for the year so this is right. all within the same year in which her family died now i don't know how much you've experimented with hallucinogenics i can say personally i've had a lot nothing. of fucking time with those things um yeah the last thing you ever want to do, every trip is dictated by what's going on in your head. So the fact that Danny mm-hmm. doesn't want to trip has got mm-hmm. nothing to do with her wanting to not be the fucking be part of the party or not having fun. You just don't go into that kind of situation with a head like that because that's the kind of shit that's going to come up. Now, in some yeah. cases, you know, from a, psych- a psychology standpoint, yes, maybe that's a good thing and it'll give you an open way to experience and expand on that kind of stuff. But if it's too soon, you don't want to go that way. Unfortunately for Danny, she's got a boyfriend who has to pull the whole, well, I won't do it if you don't do it. And then therefore makes her feel like she has to do it because now his friends are all bummed out that he's not doing it. See, for that very reason, I've never actually done hallucinogenics just because, you know, I'm a happy little monkey. But at the same time, you know, happy little monkey has, you know, a fucking dark side, okay? It's like the fucking uh, boat ride in Willy Wonka, you know, where it starts off happy and shit like that. But there's some fucked up deep shit in there. Once you get that boat ride going, which is why I've never started, uh, never taken uh, hallucinogenics. But I wanted to ask you guys, just because, again, because I've never taken hallucinogenics. All right. The whole thing about hallucinogens, like, <laughs> not hallucinogens. Yes, hallucinogens. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> that that word too. Okay, it, it might be that uh, um, word too, man. It's just it, funny to hear it said yeah. that way. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hallucinogenics. That's 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 the phrase for when you talk about who, taking hallucinogens. All right. <laughs> um, that's the new language. Hallucinogenics. Um, but, but the whole thing of 
I wanted to ask you guys because again, I've never done this. So the idea of taking the mushrooms and they were saying we all got to rise together. Like, is this something where like when you take it, you all it it all hits you at the same time? It depends. It depends on okay. if you're with a group or not. Yeah. At least that's what it was when I did it back in high school. So in most cases, you know, everybody's body type is different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how your absorption rate is depending upon the hallucinogen in question and whatnot. But for the most part, all of these things do have, you know, a, a pretty good rule of thumb time frame in them. Um, One thing while you are tripping, um, if you are doing it with a person and if you both ingest it at the same time, chances are you are both going to share that trip because you guys are hitting the same peaks and valleys together Mm -hmm. um you know like i remember the first time i ever did it with my buddy jay and you know we were walking down the uh this won't mean anything to you monkey but i know the king will know this the street you know we were walking down the old uh, old queens boulevard development and you know all of these Mm -hmm. these odd things are occurring throughout the course of the evening that like we had a friend with us pat who wasn't you know he didn't imbibe at the time and, like, the two of us were completely in sync with all of it going on while Pat had, like, no idea, you know, because, again, he wasn't in that same mind frame, you know. Same thing for me and the right. doc. There have been plenty of nights where me and doc shared that kind of stuff. And then there's times where, like, let's say somebody comes in later, they drop, like, an hour to two, two hours after you. They're not going to have the same thing because, you know, you're going to be at one point of, of, of the experience while they're at a completely different point of that experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it, it's completely different for every other ride. Um, but with, with after they, they've had their experience with the mushrooms and Danny freaked out, they go back and they have this big communal room where everybody sleeps and they can just get some oh. sleep because the next day it's at a stupa. You know, and you have Christian looking it up, and he's like, I can't find anything about this out of stupa. I don't know what it is. And I'm like, Kelly, what's out of stupa? And he's like, oh, don't worry, guys. You'll find out. It's, it's completely cool. Come on, guys. Like, we're going to have fun tomorrow. Wait. And then he's like, okay. No. You know? No, but at the, whole time, right. at, the, at the same time, Josh was like, wait, you mean a real one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they have the ceremony Dude. of the two elders. Because we get explained by Pele that there's there's divisions of ages, and once you reach age of seventy two, that's it. You know, that's it. You're done. Like, and it's community. So we get these two elders, and there's a big multiples of nine. These two elders. Yeah. yeah, multiples of nine. And you know, of course, you know, you have the the Americans, Danny, Christian, Josh, and Mark, who have no idea what the fuck is going on. They're like, well, what are we doing? Why are we in this fucking like quarry? And why are you staring up at this fucking rock? And this is, again, Ari Aster, I know this isn't funny, but I laugh because I'm like, do it, jump, go. Like, you know, we know what's going on. Come on, guys. And then when it happens and you have the old woman that jumps first and she face plants on the rock and her fucking face is obliterated and you have the American going, oh, my God, the fuck just happened. Oh, my God, did you just fucking see that? And everybody else well, is like, no, come on, guys, be cool, American. be cool, no. guys. No, the it, was the British, it, was, it was the British shocked. couple. The British couple yeah. is the one that went on full-on freak mode. You know, that was the, like, <laughs> yeah. why aren't you stopping yeah. them? What are you doing? Simon and Connie. Now, here's, here's yeah. the thing. 
at again, you know, because everything that uh, Ari Aster does is just everything is meticulous. It's intense. Down to yep. the paintings on the wall earlier yep. in the film, mm-hmm. all oh, yeah. are are hints and clues towards things that are going to come later. But more specifically, if you look at the clothing that both um, that uh, Christian and Danny are wearing. The symbols that are on their clothes are the same runes that the man and the woman touch on the stones up there, showing you Mm -hmm. that, you know, Danny is going to end up being the one to replace this woman and the child that Christian's going to be, you know, obviously fathering is going to be the one that replaces this man because everything is always traveling in a circle within this this community. That is the idea here. You're you're removing oh, life, shit. You're also adding it at the same yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Oh, okay, yeah. because for because uh, I thought the runes that uh she was wearing were um the uh Pell's runes from when he signed the picture. I thought when he signed the picture for her, I thought that was his signature. Uh, okay, never mind. Okay, I totally mistook yeah. the runes then. All right. All right. But again, awesome. Those are real so runes. Nice. They all have specific meanings. So. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the whole thing, again, of this, this community, this commune. This is just what they do. Like, this isn't anything horrific. This is just what happens. So you have, you know, the British couple and then the Americans are going, oh, my, what the fuck? This is also based break out on the a real thing. You know, this is an old Nordic custom. Now, it wasn't like there's a specific village that this kind of stuff happens. But back, back, you know, way, way back, in a little less civilized time, so to say, you know, when a person felt that they were no longer of value, they can't, you know, know, again, like we, we even get the line, you know, we put our elderly in homes. And shit like that. You know, my grandfather yeah. was just in a rehab like a week or two ago. You know, he's got a woman sitting mm-hmm. across from him who's fucking yelling and cursing at my mother, telling her, what are you doing? Take your hands off my husband. Meanwhile, you know, this woman literally has no idea who it is in front of her. Like, and this is what we do with our elderly, you know. Yeah. In in this world, the idea of this was that, you know, this yeah. is a way to, to remove yourself in a dignified mm. way. You've lived this long. Mm. You know, you're not capable of, of doing the things that you once were. You need to make room for those that are younger, and therefore you can do it by giving to the, the Earth Mother or whatever it is that they're they're worshiping here. And and, and I mean, I got it whole, because it's it's normal to them. Like you know, it's like, hey, listen, this is our practice. Like you know, this is nothing new. You know, why are you freaking out? <laughs> once somebody seventy two. Yeah. Yeah, but this at is the same it. time, like, I. You know, yeah, but I totally understood that idea, and I, I actually agree with it. It's like, you know, I agree with the idea of being able to sit there and give yourself up. I mean, fu- you know, fuck, man, Soylent Green, same thing. All right, they, they covered it in that movie as well, you know, <laughs> of giving yourself up to society, and, you know, but you were processed, and but still, you were being reused for society. Yeah. I totally get it. I'm I'm totally cool with the idea of that, you know. I, instead of again, like the ghoul said, you know, and the you know being forced to live your ending days in a fucking retirement home, you know, because no yeah, one wants to again, be fucking Bubba. No one wants to be Bubba. You're Hoka. all good with it. You're all good with it, right? From a theoretical standpoint, from right. the idea that this is a movie, this is a fictional thing that we're watching right now. <laughs> 
but let's say this was how it, you know what I mean? Like, let's say all of a sudden this is how it's done. You know, you know, your parents are 70, 71 years old. Really? You're going to be like, oh, okay, well, I know in another year they're going to fucking, uh, they're going to jump off the old fucking cliff, you know? The, uh, the, uh, the word for it, at, at stupa, is actually is the word for the cliffs that it was done on. Um, yep. There are multiple spots throughout Europe that you can actually go to. They have maps that you can uh, find that'll show you areas where they believe mm-hmm. these types of things used to be held. And oh, cool. of course, we have Simon and Connie who are like, "I'm out of here. This sucks." So we're leaving, and Simon all of a sudden is now missing, and Connie wants to know where he went. And you're like, "Oh no, he got the bus. So he's cool. He's cool." Why can't you understand? They he are, got the bus. He's out. They you know, and you might want to catch the bus. Liars. <laughs> like, you know, he, he totally got that bus, and he was like, see you later, people. And we don't know where he went. He just he left. Yeah. See you later, Connie. But, you know, and it, it's like, okay, what happened? We don't know. Hey, we're fine. Put on a flower hat. But, <laughs> you know. but, but, but I could have sat on his lap and gotten the fuck out of here. No, no, we don't break traffic rules. Nope. <laughs> Mark, when Mark decides to take the piss on that fucking tree, and he's like, he's pissing on the old central tree, this fucking monster. You, he's like, I just wanted to take a piss. Like, no, you, you, you fucked up, dude. You fucked up. You can't be here anymore. Like, what is, what is, what is, like you know, it's all right. He's dead. So, yeah, something's going to happen to Mark. And it's it's important. Well, yeah, like I said, we knew we knew he was the obnoxious American character, you know. If you and again, it's another case in which you know we we saw them jump off the cliff, which you know, uh, I watched the director's cut today. Um, mm-hmm. So and I forget, you know, I know a lot that that is added. There's actually an entire second sacrifice-like scene that occurs that is completely cut from okay. the uh, regular version of the movie. Um, oh, really? In which, yeah, there's a young boy. Uh, they're sacrificing to the, the river goddess, I guess it is. And okay. essentially what happens is is they uh, they throw in their, their best tree and their food and all that stuff. Um, but then they, they feel like that's not enough, so a young boy comes up and says, you know what, throw me in. They tie all this stuff to mm-hmm. him, they put a rock to him, they're about to throw him in when, you know, uh, a, a woman stands up and says, no, you know what, the goddess must be appeased because of his bravery. So it shows that they don't, some of it is pageantry, some of it is real sacrifice. Uh, my point okay. being, though, is that at least with this, though, when the gore occurs here, it's strange. You know, not it only did they yeah. get the you know the the woman's head like basically exploding, you know, upon hitting mm-hmm. the rock, but then you get the old man who you know doesn't do the swan dive. Instead, he goes straight down. The dude breaks his yeah. legs mm-hmm. and is there suffering. And we get <laughs> the one thing that we see and we've heard Pele talk about how everybody shares everything here. You know, and this is what happens. Yeah. Everybody starts moaning. Everybody starts yelling. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. again, you know, it, does is there a little bit of, of humor to that from our perspective? Absolutely. You know, the first time I watched yeah. it, I was kind of like, oh, that's, that's kind of fucking weird. It's funny. But then what you, when you realize what it is, is, is they're sharing his suffering, his broken legs, his broken yeah. body, mm-hmm. and he's in all that pain 
they're sharing that pain up until the point that you then have the freaking people go up to him with a fucking hammer and bash his head in, which they give you really nice and nice gore effects there too. I mean, the the one oh, girl yeah. hits it, and it just it just smashes. And then the next kid hits it, and wherever he hits it, it was pretty solid because the hammer just kind of hits it and just dents it a little bit, but it doesn't, like, collapse it. So I don't know if that was, like, a failed prop or if it just, you know, just how he wanted to do it. And it was just like, you know what, no, we're just going to keep it that way. But it was effective. And, you know, again, like I said, we're seeing them share the pain of this character, something that we're going to see later in the film as well. Yeah. And I want to say a quick thank you to Abby who is listening tonight, and she's actually commenting on our Talking Terror Facebook page, talking about the drug cut, about Connie and her death, and the sacrifices that are happening. Holy shit, thank you, Abby, for that catch, because that's a good one. I didn't watch the director's cut. I only watched the uh, theatrical, which is two and a half hours too long. Um, but um, it's, it's the fact that Josh goes into – the forbidden part of the temples, like go take pictures of the book, and he's like, I gotta figure this shit out. And then he he thinks he sees Mark, and he's like, Mark, what the fuck are you doing? We can't be in here. We gotta go. And then all of a sudden, again, I had a fucking laugh because this guy shows up with his fucking dick hanging out, wearing Mark's face, and he's like, I'm like, okay, Leatherface, are you here? Like, what are you doing outside of Texas? You're not supposed to be here. And he just bashes Josh's head in, and he's like, gotta carry the body off. That's another victim for you know, this movie. I just I, I laugh because it was, just, it was funny to see this guy wearing Mark's face, which is obviously I wanted to say it's the incest baby that we see a couple times with the big fucking no, lips and the weird. Not, you know, no, I, that, that's where no. I got I got lost in what I was saying. The, when he pisses on the tree. My point being is, is after those people's deaths, if you pay attention to the background, you actually see the people shoveling the ashes onto the tree back there. So okay. then as the camera yeah. cuts away and we're following the characters that we're watching, it's not until a couple minutes later that you hear the guy yelling and there's Mark pissing on the tree. Um, the guy, Olaf, um, that was yelling at okay. him, he's the one that's wearing yeah. Mark's head. Wow, okay. You see, I thought it was the weird incest kid. Because yeah, no. again, that weird incest kid, they didn't really pay attention to him. He's just kind of there. Like they, he's you know, the oracle. Because He's like the oracles in the movie 300, if you ever saw that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? With the idea yeah. being, though, is that those people, they were they were corrupt. He is not. He's unclouded. So he doesn't commit in any murder. He doesn't do anything other than, I guess, create their entire laws and scripture, which is just completely bizarre when you really think about that, man. That is his own fucking green character. Or if you want to sit there and go into the MCU, he's a watcher. Okay. Oh, Watu. It's a Watu himself. <laughs> it looks like him. Um, the, the scene after Big we, old we forehead. Get, you know, the fact that Mark is dead and Josh gets dead too, I like the Maypole fucking dance. Like the, To me, that's my favorite sequence of this movie. If I have to pick one, it's the Maypole sequence. Because it's like, all right, we all have to dance around this Maypole. And we're going to have one person that's going to be the May Queen, you know, and it's, it's this whole dance where you have all these people and they're all laughing and they're dancing and, you know, one puke but you gotta get falls out of the fucking way. You got to get fucked up first. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to drink the, the mushrooms because we're going to dance. And it's just, the way that they filmed it was just so great because I love the upshots 
seeing the circle, the dancers around this maypole, and then you see Danny getting into it, where she's like, I like this. This is fun. Like, I'm having a good time right now. Like, you know, I'm, I'm making friends and I'm dancing, and this is great. Yeah, well, once again, though, you know, you've got somebody who has been toast. You know, they, they gave her a, a drink of whatever whatever was in their uh, little tea or whatever it was as they're, they're now separating them. Yeah, well, again, yeah. It's, it's, we, we hear it later on when it's – because it's also given to Christian at a later point in which yeah. um, the, the idea is to loosen him more up to, to the influences, to make him more open to the influence. But, uh, yeah, we have Danny, you know, kind of – and, again, if, you, if you've ever taken these things – you kind of go through these ebbs and these flows, you know, but it also depends on how your body reacts to it and the strength of it. You know, I, I, sometimes you have a freaking fantastic time while tripping, you know, other times it's like, you know, maybe you see some weird shit. Other times you just want to go home. (laughs) One time I was at the club and I watched this Seriously, there's this one time I was at the club. I saw this chick's face, like, you know, people talk about like things melting and whatnot, you know, I think a lot of times people, like, definitely over-exaggerate what you see when you hallucinate. Um, there was one particular time, like, this chick, as it was, she wore a lot of makeup all the time, and I just remember I had taken way too much. It was my 18th birthday, and I looked at her face, and her face just kind of went, Bleh. and like, that oh. It was like it was like the kind of visuals you saw in this when like you looked at the trees when everybody yeah. was high, or like when you looked at the food. If you looked at the food on the table and how it was kind of doing that weird pulsating shit, like her face did mm-hmm. that, and that was it. It was shut down, fucking city, man. It was like Doc, well Dave, you know, we gotta go home. Like literally, all I could do, was, <laughs> all I could do to communicate with them was repeat my address. You know, because those were the only words that were coming out of my damn monkey mouth at that point. <laughs> yeah. And when you have uh, Danny winning the competition, when you have the final two girls getting knocked out for the May Queen, and she's finally crowned May Queen, he's like, you've done it, yes! And they start shaking their hands. They give her the big what crown, and it's like, it's a, it's a big achievement to carry her around. But then you see Christian, who's under another type of uh, psychotropic drug, where he's just, he looks like he has to take a shit, but it's really, he's just under this uh, <laughs> drug. And they go to the table, and they have this big dinner where they're going to lead Danny away to do this big celebration, but also you're going to lead Christian away because he's got to get his fuck on with a bunch of yeah. new from the village watching over him as he impregnates this woman in this scene where they're all mimicking her moaning the entire time and they're fucking grabbing on his ass giving him some I laughed. I was like, I'm sorry. I was laughing this entire sequence. They're like, hold on. I got the ass. Like, you know, it's going to dip him in there. bizarre. It's bizarre. Yeah. But as we hear from, you know, the conversation he has with the, uh, the woman that seems to be in charge with the place, he's been approved to me with this chick that, you know, has been kind of following. I mean, this is the whole thing we gloss over. There's this redheaded girl that if you pay attention to the one tapestry, it tells you all you need to know about it. You know, it's, it's oh, a yeah. Wiccan tradition as well, in which that if you put your period blood in a drink, you do that to keep your man faithful to you. Um, in this particular case, the idea is, is the girl sees guy, falls in love with guy, wants to, to be with guy, sticks her pubic hairs in the guy's food, yeah. Puts her period blood in the guy's drink, and then, you know, 
you see in the last picture, the two of them are all lovey-dovey, and she's got, you know, a big old pregnant belly. Well, Maya (laughs) here, who got pictures from Pele, was already kind of pining for Christian here. The woman tells tells him that he's an astrological mate. So they're basing this entire thing, the repopulation of this place, based on specific astrological events as well, which is, again, a complete, like, these are things that we don't even hear or think about anymore, you know, I mean, unless you're, like, real far into, like, the whole spirituality thing. Um, but, yeah, she tells him that, you know, you've been approved to mate, not approved to marry. That's, you know, that that ain't happening, you know, but, you know, you can bang her. So, yeah, tripping his poor, the poor kid tripping his face off. It's at this point that I do kind of feel <laughs> yeah. bad for Christian. You know, he's been a douche the entire movie, I feel. He doesn't remember Danny's birthday. Every time, anything, like, Danny nope. never gets anything, anything from this no. kid, you know, and all he ever does is make her feel like shit. She's constantly apologizing for things. Anytime that they have, anytime she kind of confronts him about anything, he automatically does the uh, the old guy trick of, like, oh, well, you know, you always do that. Make makes her feel bad <laughs> about actually mm-hmm. confronting him about it flipping the script right. then and making, you know, it feel like it's her fault. Well, she's doing this again. She's being dramatic again. You know, and, and again, these are all tricks that, look, as a guy, I'm not proud to admit, like, you know, when I was younger, these were the things that I did do. Um, you don't think about it, but it's a toxic relationship, and that's that's what they have there. Yeah, yeah see, the cool girls just said I could be a real asshole. It's <laughs> <laughs> yep. very, yep. very true. See, I get, I get a lot of commentary here, man. It's awesome. <laughs> Like it's at this point of the movie, okay, this poor guy, he's been dope, okay, he's been told that he's going to mate with this redheaded chick, and, you know, Danny finally wins something in the Maypole, it's the first time, like, this girl has actually had anything positive happen, she's dancing, and everybody's, like, celebrating, they're all, like, waving their hands in the air, and she looks at him, and he's, like, looking at the ground or whatever, and she's, you know, it's a, again, here she is doing something. Uh, there's all these strangers that are all cheering her on to do it. And yet the one guy that she wants more than anything to be cheering her on is distracted. Yeah. But it's at this mm-hmm. point that I can't blame him either because, you know what, you were just told by this fucking lady that, you know, this girl, well, yeah, she probably stuck pubes in your food. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, you had a with her. You know, then they dose him up. And they take yeah. her off, and then, you yeah. know, they got him in this fucking mating hut where, yeah, they're all fucking moaning and groaning. You got women of all shapes and sizes, ages, this and that. And the first time watching this, when that scene came up, I'm glad I wasn't in the movie theater because I don't know how I would have reacted in the theater or would have reacted to me had I started laughing hysterical about it. Um, yeah, I know. But yeah, was, again, after nuts. you see the film once, you watch it again, then you, you kind of see that, you know what, this is, again, it's them sharing in it. Like when the girl, when the woman first starts singing to her, like I'm picturing it from a guy's perspective. Like if all of a sudden I'm busy having sex with move. a girl, <laughs> and now another woman comes by and puts her face right next to me and holds her <laughs> hand and starts <laughs> singing to her. Like, I would be like, what? Like, talk about boner killer, man. He that yeah. and all that other shit anyway. So I he doesn't know what the hell was going I, on. I love the sequence because you have, you know, this whole thing happening, and then Danny sees it, and then she starts crying and screaming and just in pain, the fact that her boyfriend's doing this, and they all start taking up her mantle of screaming. 
and they're all screaming mm-hmm. in her face, and they're all holding her. But then when he finishes inside of her, she's like, I feel the baby. It's inside of me. It's in me. And then he all of a sudden turns into Benny Hill, where he fucking runs outside. Holding his dick in his hand. Going, where do I go now? I'm naked. Well, no. Here's the thing. Okay, yes. It's a, I, I see the comedic aspect. Don't get me wrong. Like, I do. And the Benny Hill reference is fucking great, actually. But, again, credit where credit's due. The girl was a virgin, yeah. and if you look at his penis, his penis yep. had butt on it. Like, you know, I'll give yep. Ari Aster, again, the credit for just adding those tiny little fucking details like that. Because that was like, yeah. wow, that's just whacked. Again, the poor guy's tripping his face off, man. You just went through this <laughs> entire sequence, this bizarre sequence where you just took some 15-year-old's virginity with a bunch of other women. Uh, uh, ooh, <laughs> you know, some old lady yeah. just grabbed your butt, okay, and started pumping <laughs> you like a Reebok pump to make sure you, you know, you injected your seed nice and deep. Yeah, I think at that point I'd, I'd open my eyes, look around, and be like, yeah, I'm out. You know, meanwhile, fucking uh, the Oracle kid is in there. The poor kid has to watch this thing happen. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> but sequence, again, where she leaves with those girls, and she runs off. They all, they, she doesn't even run off. They herd her away. They take her away from the source of the pain to then help her calm down. Remember, she's had panic attacks this entire movie. Yeah, and yeah. this is the, the, the first time we see them share it with her, slowly bringing her out of it together. Yeah. And it's such a, 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 a – like when you think about how we were introduced to her earlier crying alone, even though she had this guy with her, yet here completely yeah. – been this guy four fucking years, and that's how he reacts. Here she oh, yeah. is, the people that she just oh, met, and this is them – Taking her on as family. And what was great is that after this whole sequence of him like backing out, you know, where he's like, I'm running for my life. What the fuck is going on? He runs into the one building where you have Simon with the blood eagle, which is oh, a, a fuck, fucking fucking love device, this. Where they oh pull his fucking God. lungs out through his back, and he's still alive. He's got the dandelions in oh. his eyes, but he's still breathing. Like, he is still alive yeah. at this point. Okay. Yeah, there's conjecture yeah, on this. There is conjecture yeah, okay. on this. Some people think that he was still alive because you see the lungs moving. But you got to yeah. remember Christian is tripping. And anytime any of these characters had hallucinogenic drugs in them, you see the flowers pulsate. Good call. Food on the yeah. table pulsate. It could also just simply be and he is tripping balls. But yes, the Blood Eagle is the yeah. is what this is termed, and it was a torture device, you know, back in the, yeah. the Viking days. And it's so yeah. fucking cool to see in this movie when he's hanging, you know, yeah. Dick hanging out, he's naked, and he's got the Blood Eagle, where you find out that's what happened to him, and then all of a sudden the one cult member pops up and just blows the dust into his face. And then when he well, wakes up, they're like, well, you can't talk, and you can't move. Mr. Fuji. So you're good. You're good. You know, so... Now the May Queen has to make a choice because we need nine victims, you know, for Midsummer. Thank you, Pele, for bringing the victims here. <laughs> you know, Pele. Fuck you, dude. And Ingmar. Ingmar as well. Yeah. You know, both of them. Who you know, sacrificed himself. Pele gets the credit of bringing them the new May Queen as well. 
not only did he bring them yeah. the victims, uh, well, the other sacrifices, you know, for the, the new blood, he even brought them a new family member. You know, another yep. person that's going mm-hmm. to take on the mantle of being one of them. You know, we even get that during the Maypole sequence in which she starts speaking in their language. Yeah. You don't even know. You know, sure. could she like be speaking their language? Could it just be trip? That could be trip language because that does happen too. Yep. Sometimes you start saying shit mm-hmm. that's gibberish and the only people that understand you are the people that are tripping face with you. Um, <laughs> but, but yes, you know, at this point we do get this uh, this whole sequence of – you know, Christian being there in a wheelchair, and it's up to Danny. You know, does she pick a a chosen person from the group, or does she pick Christian as being, you know, the the, the ninth sacrifice here? Which the be Christian. one of the people, and the other one is <laughs> yeah. Olaf. And I wonder if the reason why <laughs> Olaf chooses to die here is because he failed at his job of protecting the tree. Which is why he was so mad at Mark for pissing on it. Plus, then the no. fact that he did get to, to kill Mark, but still at the same time, that failure is that why he is then choosing to sacrifice. And is Ingmar sacrificing because both Molly and Simon both proved to be nothing? There was no reason to have them there based on their reactions. You know, right. I think they chose these people, you know, based on qualities of whether or not they were going to be valuable members of the society. Or do they get sacrificed? You know what I mean? I think it could have went either yeah. way, and it was slowly chosen, even though I think somebody like Mark, you know, was just, you know, he's fucking, he's fodder. That's somebody that's a definite sacrifice. <laughs> oh, yeah. It just, it, this is the, I like the way that they presented this at the end, when they're wheeling the bodies into this weird, triangular, you know, yellow temple, you know, to, to be the ultimate sacrifice. So they're wheeling the dead bodies in. You have uh, Mark, who's now like a straw man, and then you have all the other bodies, including Ingmar, who is a, a human sacrifice, who's completely alive, and, you know, and the other friend. To me, this is just going into Wickerman territory, where it's like, all right, so I'm okay with this movie, but now you're going into Wickerman territory, where now you have to have human sacrifices in this home that you're going to burn down with Christian in the fucking bear now, which, again, I cracked up because I kept thinking about Nicolas Cage in the Wickerman remake. Where he dressed up like a bear for the, the last part of that movie, and he's running I around a, in a bear costume. I have a question because I don't remember because um, I didn't watch the the regular cut this time around. The bear costume. Do they show the preparation in the regular cut of the film of the bear yes. costume? They do. Okay, yeah. so they show him the in, in the room that. where the guy is yep. taking the intestines out Got of him and all that shit. Yep. No, there was no song no. off of the leg. They just had a minute. You were they okay, just showed no, they him don't sh- you know waiting. They don't show you them song off the leg. But what happens is is you see him after he takes the intestines out, as he moves towards Christian laying on the table, you see him picking yeah. up one of those uh those the handled saws with the rope saw in between it. They okay. cut his legs yeah. and arms off to stick him in that bear costume. Damn. Yeah, they didn't get that in that I, cut that I watched. No, he was yeah, just he was, was put into it. Yeah, that that yeah that was not in the cut that we watched. It, it, we no, again, they, they you don't know. graphically <laughs> show it. It's literally just a quick yeah. blink and you miss it type of thing. Yeah. But yeah, there's no way he put it this way. There's no way he fits in it otherwise. Oh no way, no right. way, no no way he's putting in that bear, but. 
again, I laugh because now he's in this bear costume and he's just staring off into space going, oh, my God, like, why am I in this bear? And it's like, yeah, you're in the bear, bear to die. <laughs> and it's just they're putting all these bodies into this, you know, this uh, triangular shaped uh, hut and then letting it on fire. And again, <clears throat> that was Wicker Man to me. I was like, you know what? I wish it didn't do it. I wish it didn't do the Wicker Man thing at the end where they light the thing on fire and they're like, this is our ultimate sacrifice of all the nine that we got. I just felt like it was a cheap thing at the end yeah. to kind of go Wicker Man. Yeah, yeah but for me, though, ultimate sacrifice. As somebody that hated the yeah. Wicker Man, I didn't mind. <laughs> I, I, I felt this would be a much better film. I love Wicker Man. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm all a right. huge fan of that. I just I, I felt that way. But, yeah, ultimately we have the the, the triangular-shaped place burning down, and then you have the shot of Danny kind of being upset, but then all of a sudden you get that smile, and it's like, well, I'm kind of digging this now. Yeah, maybe I'm a part of this cult. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and a great way to end it. I, I will give Ari Esther that, the fact that she was upset and then all of a sudden started smiling. I was like, you know what? I kind of like it. That's a good way to end it, with her being satisfied. <clears throat> that guy sucked anyway. Go, what did you think of the end? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, you know, in the end, she has to, whether or not she is enjoying it, or she is just simply broken to the point of insanity, could be that could be it question. too. Yeah, you know she's been loaded with hallucinogenics, as the monkey likes to call them. <laughs> but uh, I do think it's you know now that you, when you said it before it didn't sound right, but now that I just said it, it actually does sound fine. Um, that might be one it of those does, weird right? trip things, like when you're stoned. You know what I mean? You say something like fucking milk, and then you're like, wait, why does that not sound right all of a sudden? Um, like you've used the word a thousand times, and yet all of a sudden that one time you say it just doesn't sound right, um, and then you question life. Uh, but yeah, she just went through this whole entire ordeal. Everybody that she went there with is now dead. She's been, you know, as it is, she's already gone through a major trauma of her sister murdering her parents, as well as committing suicide herself. I mean, this is a person who very easily, who already had a mental illness, as we define them in American society, you know, putting her on medication. Well, here she is yeah. now, you know. If you were going to look at it from the tech, from the, the the standpoint of hey, I need to survive, then you just fucking go with it, man. You're just like, you know what? Hey, look, I'm still fucking alive, assholes. I'm going to hang with these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's the way I took it. Like, you know, it's listen. You know, I'm alive. Your guys are dead. You know, they like me, <laughs> so I'm the May Queen, motherfuckers. Like, May Queen, bitches. I like where I am. <laughs> Which, again, the, the last little thing with it, too, is if you think about it, it's her birthday. The name of the movie is Mids- you know, Midsummer. If she's hitting, like, the age of, let's say, like, 27, 28, she's actually in her own Midsummer at this point. Yep. So it works as her age based on their philosophy of uh, baby. Uh, uh, we're not going to be able to tell you what the doc wants to do next week unless you can get it out real quick, King. Uh, he hasn't so far, so I think we're gonna have to okay. wait. So, All I right, will uh, uh, a quick plug. 
real fast. Everybody go to Etsy, Bonfire Beat Designs. Yep. She has been inspired. The fires of desire have inspired. And <laughs> she is making again and again and again. There is shit all over my bedroom. Drives me nuts. I had like little to no space this morning. Um, but yes, all on all one word, Bonfire Beat Designs, Etsy. Go to it, baby. Valentine's Hell Day. Yeah. yeah. Mad Monkey, Monkey, thanks for listening. Let me come in your air. All right. King, (laughs) ghoul, do your thing. Stay scared, bitches. Stay scared. Until next we meet next week with the Doc's Pick, which we'll announce on Monday on the Talking Terror page. Hail Satan. Hail Odorous. Hail yourselves. Keep on listening, baby. See you next time. Good night, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.